before I moved to Denver, about four years ago, I lived in Tampa. And as a part of uh, my work in Tampa, I chaired a board of directors for a nonprofit called Bethel Farm Workers Ministry. And as you can probably tell from that title, the work of the nonprofit was to um, support and care for local farm workers. There were a lot of those in this area of Florida because Florida had a lot of crops to harvest. And so farm workers would do the very challenging work of harvesting crops by hand, meaning that these were the crops that could not be harvested by any machine. They didn't have that technology yet. So tomatoes, blueberries, anything that you'd have to bend over for. So this was backbreaking labor. And if you've been to Florida before, you know for about nine or 10 months of the year, it is hot, it is humid, and they were in the fields all day, long, long days. And then what we found was they were paid very, very little, not enough wages really to live off of. And so Bethel Farm Workers Ministry basically said, how do we help these farm workers? And so we did a variety of things. We did food giveaways um, every week. We also did some educational programs for the children of farm workers. But one thing we noticed, uh, so I was talking with the executive director one day, and, so, and we just kept brainstorming, how do we help these farm workers? And what we noticed was that none of the farm workers really had medical care. They, they didn't have health insurance. And so when an emergency happened, um, they would either have to go to the emergency room or just figure it out and kind of not, you know, get adequate care. And God gave us a vision, a vision of a free clinic, a clinic where you could go to even if you didn't have insurance, even if you couldn't pay. And we said, how amazing would that be if, if this organization that the farm workers already trust, if they could come here for medical care? What if we could find doctors and dentists who would volunteer their time, who would give of their own supplies? You know, what if we could raise the funds to do this? It was a big task and a vision. But as we started talking, we realized if this is God's vision— then God will make a way. And do you know where we went to raise those funds? The local churches. Because what we found were that local churches were groups of people that together were some of the most generous people that we'd ever met. Because local churches together recognized that God's doing something in the world. That God is creating a vision of what this world should look like. And we thought included in that vision is a place where anyone can go and get health care if they need it. And so we went to local churches, and they fully funded this project. And so in 2018, the clinic opened. We have a picture of that. That was such an exciting, exciting day. And so years later, people are still getting medical care that they need each and every week. Now, I share you this story. Because to me, this sort of story illustrates when groups, what groups of people can do when they get together and share their resources towards a common vision. We can only do so much as individuals to make an impact on the world. But when as individuals who have a shared vision, when we come together and say, this is what we believe God is doing in the world, that's when great results can really be seen. Today marks the beginning of our annual stewardship campaign, 
And as your pastor, I believe that, you know, one week each year, I should give a sermon on the theology of giving. Why is it that we give? As Christians, most of us know that, okay, we're supposed to be generous people. What does that look like? What does generosity really look like? And so today, as part of Visioning Sunday and kicking off our annual stewardship campaign, I want to explore that topic. What does the Bible say about giving and generosity? Our theme for this stewardship season, which will go for the next five weeks, although we're only preaching on it once, it's the theme of first fruits. You see that on your bulletin, and it'll make more sense when we get into our scripture for today. Here's the context of our scripture. It comes from the Old Testament and the people of God, right? The nation of Israel, they were going to a land that God promised them. God said, I've, you know, I recognize that you've come from slavery. You spent 400 years as an oppressed people. So God said, I'm taking you from that place, and I'm bringing to you a land where you can be prosperous, where you can be safe, where you can live without fear, what they came to call the promised land. And so our scripture comes right before they enter that promised land, and God is giving them instructions on the type of community that they're going to form when they make it to that land, the type of people that they're going to be. And a part of those instructions is about giving. And that's the part I want to study today. So let's learn what we can about giving from this text. It begins in Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 1. When you have come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess, and you possess it and settle in it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground, which you harvest from the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And you shall put it in a basket and go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. Okay, we need to transport you to a different world, to this time period. And in this time period, most people in some way were involved in agriculture. Most people were farmers in some capacity. You couldn't just go to Publix and get what you wanted, right? Everyone had to raise their own food and share their own food, trade it, that sort of thing. And so in this context... God tells the people, take some of the first fruit of your harvest and bring it to your place of worship. So our first question then becomes, well, what is the first fruit? What does God mean when he says this? Well, doing a little bit of research, we realize that the first fruit was the best of your crop. So this is not the leftovers. This is not the last fruit. It's not the afterthought. This is the first fruit. My wife Sarah laughs at me because I really don't like leftovers. You know, I know I should eat them, and I do. I don't want to waste food. It's just, it doesn't taste as good, reheated the next day. I'm not into really leftovers. And so I kind of giggle as I read this verse going, oh, I, I think God agrees with me. I think God's not very interested in the leftovers. And isn't that how we think about giving, though, sometimes? I know I do, of like, okay, I have this budget, and so I'm going to spend it on the things that bring me joy, 
the things that I really like, or even the things that are good for my family, and then whatever is left, oh, okay, then I'll think about God. Then I'll think about maybe what God's doing in the world. The first thing that God is teaching his people before they go into this new land is that we have to flip that around. So we think about God first, the first fruits, the first of our harvest, the best of the best. God, we think about you first. So they bring a basket full of the best of the best, the first fruits, and they bring it to their place of worship. What happens next? Well, let's continue to read. He says, you shall then go to the priest who is in office at that time and say to him, today I declare to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. And then the priest will take the basket from your hand, set it down before the altar of the Lord your God. So if you live during this time, period. You would go to the temple or to your place of worship. You would bring a basket full of your first fruits. You would then set it down before the altar of God. And then I I highlighted this word, you would declare. That's a strong word, right? Not you'd kind of mumble something or recite something. You You would declare. You would declare that you are now living in the land that God had promised you. That land that you dreamed about. That land where you knew you and your family and your people would be safe. You would declare, God has now brought me into this land. I think we should adapt that for today. Because really, we too, each and every day, bring an offering of some sort to God. We bring our lives to God. And so what if, while we did that, we declared God's blessings in our lives too. Because that's what they were doing. They were declaring the ways that God has blessed them. And they said, basically, in essence, God, I'm bringing you my offering because I'm recognizing the way that you have blessed me. Yes, our offering and their offering was in a direct response to God's blessings in their lives. So they would declare that blessing And then I find this next part fascinating. Then they would tell a story. And you think, wait, a story? And Yes, they they would. They would be in their place of worship. They would declare God's blessings, and then they would share a story. It's a little bit longer, but I'm going to read it in full, because I think it, it helps us to understand what was happening in this context. So it goes on in verse 5. Then you shall make this response before the Lord your God. A wandering Arminian was my ancestor. He went down into Egypt and lived there as an alien, few in number, and then he became a great nation, mighty and populous. When the Egyptians treated us harshly and afflicted us by imposing hard labor on us, we cried to the Lord, the God of our ancestors, and the Lord heard our voice saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. The Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with a terrifying display of power, and with signs and wonders, and he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey, 
So now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground that you, O Lord, have given me. And you shall set it down before the Lord your God and bow down before the Lord your God. Yes, after setting down their offering, they would recite the history of their people. They would remember what God had done for them and for their ancestors. It's like they're saying, okay, God, I remember when my ancestors were slaves in Egypt. I remember what they had to go through, how painful that was. And then, God, I remember how you brought them out of Egypt, how you gave us this land to settle in. And so, God, because you gave us this land, then the crops that come from this land, I'm going to give back to you, God. I'm recognizing God's blessings. So again, let's take this and bring it to our modern time period. Because most of us are not farmers. We don't bring baskets full of fruits to church. This looks different today. So what I want you to think about is what if when we gave an offering, what if we didn't pass a plate? What if you didn't have an offering box in the back? What if you couldn't just do it electronically online? But instead, what if you had to bring your offering, your basket full up front, up to the front of the church? And then what if you had to declare your blessings, the ways that God has worked in your life, your kind of shared faith history? What if you declared the ways that God had been working in your life and then placed your offering and then walked back? That would be very uncomfortable, wouldn't it? Very, very uncomfortable. But what I love about this, what I love about this is it's a recognition that God is at work in our lives and that whatever we choose to give to God is in response to the work that God is already doing. And so I think we can still apply that principle today. Meaning any time that you give an offering, however you give it, electronically, in person, however, what if you took a moment and silently reflected on God's blessings in your life? And what if you took an intentional second and just thanked God in gratitude for what God is doing currently in your life? If you do that, it takes something that can otherwise feel like simply a financial transaction, and it can turn it into a spiritual experience, because that's what giving is. So, back to our original context. You bring a basket full, you recite your faith history, then I know what you're wondering. What happens to all the food? Does the priest just eat it all? Or does it just go to rot? Like, what happens with all these basketfuls of food that all the people of God are bringing? Well, that is what is shared next. Our scripture says, Then you, together with the Levites, and that's who the priests are. I put that in uh, so we recognize that. And the foreign settlers who reside among you shall celebrate with all the bounty that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house. Okay, so what did they do with the first fruits? They shared it. 
They shared it with one another. They ate together of the bounty that they all collectively brought forward. Yeah, they brought the best of what they had to God, the first fruits, and then they all shared it together with one another. Now, who specifically did they share it with? Well, he gets a little bit more specific. And he says, when you have finished setting aside a tenth of all of your produce in the third year, the year of the tithe, you shall give it to the Levite, again, the priest, the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that they may eat in your towns and be satisfied. So who did they share the best of what they had with that they dedicated to God? Those who wouldn't otherwise have enough to eat. I find that incredible. Absolutely incredible. They're sharing it with the immigrants who were not native to their area, but who maybe they had to flee from war, or maybe for another reason, maybe there was a famine in their area. They were now residing in their land. And so they said, share with them, because you know they don't have enough to eat. And what about those who have fallen on hard times? The widows, the orphans, oh, bring them in too, because they may not have this offering to share. They may not have the first fruits, so bring them in. And then everything that we've collected together, let's eat and share together. This would be just a a big feast of celebration as they shared with the most vulnerable in their country. So one more time, let's update this for the 21st century. I believe that as a church, we do something very similar. Because as a church, we bring the best of what we have, our first fruits, and we offer them with blessing and thanksgiving to God. And then when we gather it all together, we use it for a common purpose, to implement God's vision right here in North Carolina. And that's a vision that includes caring for the poor and the vulnerable. It's a vision that includes gathering in worship every week to glorify God and to learn from the scriptures. It is a vision that includes creating a community of disciples who are truly trying their best to live this life in faith. This is how we try to implement what we learn here in the scriptures of Deuteronomy. It's a common vision. It's a common goal. Now, if this is new to you, if if you're watching today and you said, I've never given to a church before, this is all new, what I want you to know 100% is that we do not give because of guilt or obligation. Did you see that anywhere in the scriptures? No. All gifts are given in response to God's blessings in our lives. And so I would encourage each and every one of us during this stewardship campaign to give to this common purpose, this common vision as we partner with God to creating a more just and beautiful world. Now, this is the part of our service where we receive our morning offering. And what I want you to hear is thank you. Thank you. There are so many churches in this world that are struggling right now. And unity is not among them, and that's by the grace of God. It's by the grace of God and because of people like you. And all of those who even throughout this pandemic, who maybe even haven't been able to be here physically in 18 months, 
continue to support the vision of what God is doing through this church. So I want to thank you for the many ways that you support unity and the good work that we collectively are doing. And so I'll invite us now to take our morning offering.